This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Network. going on guys julian edlow here your host for the unreasonable odds podcast presented by DraftKings. we're recording on thursday august 31st football season is back baby and we got a lot of interesting things to rip through on this episode first things first we have a new host of the unreasonable odds podcast a familiar face a controversial face uh one that we will get to when the pod opens but our guest for this episode we're going to be getting into nfl futures specifically nfl season-long player prop futures maybe talk some dfs some overall outlook of the season with another old friend former DraftKings co-worker adam levitan now with all of his great content over at establish the run so we got a good one for you nfl's right around the corner guys and we're going to talk a lot of it here on unreasonable odds It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Alrighty, as promised, this will be one of my my final times uh, opening as the host of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. I'm going to transition into a little bit more of an analyst role. Um, Steve Buchanan, who you will not hear from today, still a, a I'm using brief air quotes here, co-host of the show. He doesn't even show to meetings anymore, but he'll be around some this football season. But we're handing the reins over to keep a little bit more organization to the madness un, of unreasonable odds. To Mr. Brendan Glasheen. Glash, hello. Welcome to Unreasonable Odds. You couldn't get rid of me that easily, could you? It, it no. finally got to the point. The odds were truly unreasonable for me to be here. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's why the podcast is called what it is called. Uh, Glash was probably around plus 10,000 to bump into the mix <laughs> as the host of Unreasonable Odds. But here he is. That is why we are called what we are called. I am uh, very much looking forward to this. I am greatly appreciative of you and Steve. More you than Steve. Steve's done nothing but no show to meetings and podcasts and uh, haze you via text message. Yeah, well, it's more than just text, but we'll leave it at that. Um, also, Samir, <laughs> our producer. Over your apartment at night? Get physical? physical no, no, the socials. The socials. Um, ah. As you know, Julian, we go way back. You've been at the company longer than I have. And Samir and I actually started the DraftKings together back in 2017. So it's been kind of a hiatus. And there's a lot, a lot of moving parts going on here with... Uh, with not just DK, but the sports book, the network. I'm really excited to uh, dive into what should be a loaded football season. It's here. It should be a loaded football season. Um, and we're going to get into the mix with college football. I know it's college football week one upcoming this week, and we're going really heavy with NFL. Um, so I would recommend that you go back, listen to our week zero and week one podcast uh, that I have Tim Murray from VEASAN on. Go back and listen to the whole college football preview full hour with Phil Steele. Um, was absolutely awesome. So that, that will be the bulk of the college football content. Um, however, we will wrap the show as usual with best bets. And I know Glash and I will, will touch a couple minutes on, on that week one board. Um, all right. Well, Glash, you're, you're the host. So you, you can go ahead and uh, tease our, our upcoming guest that we have in the next segment. I don't do this stuff anymore. Yeah, well, throw me right into the fire. Our old friend, yep. Adam Levitan, uh, who now works at Establish the Run. He's done a great job there uh, getting that up off the ground. It's a fantastic uh, soundboard. For those of you that haven't heard, Levitan used to work at DraftKings. We had him on for weekly spots. He'd come in and do draft coverage, NFL, NBA. He really touched it all. So uh, looking forward to having Levitan. Um, before we go to him, Julian, what's your 
What's your go- leadoff thought as of right now uh, with a week to go, a week-ish, just short of a week until the NFL season starts? What's at the top of the mind? Uh, the top of the mind... Um, can honestly, be on the field, can be betting, whatever it may be. Honestly, I think it's just how bad the Arizona Cardinals have the potential to be. Um, I don't think the commanders are going over their win total of six and a half. They're laying a touchdown against Arizona in week one. The uh, mm. the win total goes from four and a half to three and a half on DK. DK kind of led the market on that. There's still four and a halfs out there. I think Arizona, um, they could go with Josh Dobbs, who was signed this week at, at quarterback. You know, I like, I love, I would lay the seven with Washington. I think Washington is the perfect teaser piece, perfect survivor piece, because you're never going to use them again. Um, and the Cardinals, we'll see how long these spreads last, but the Cardinals are going to be like the ultimate fade uh, this season. Sam Howe, 4,900 bucks a quarterback on the slate week, uh, week one. Um, so just how historically bad 0-17 is on the table, the Arizona Cardinals could be is, is a top of my mind. Yeah, it feels like the, the tank is full on by the Cardinals. I mean, James Conner could be a nice fantasy And there's no real clear uh, story yet on Kyler Murray. It's going to be at least a month, at least. I wouldn't until be surprised we if he doesn't play. And they get okay. Caleb Williams and then trade him for like pennies on the dollar. Atlanta makes some sense uh, for Kyler Murray. I know I'm thinking way ahead now to next year. That's a team that's been connected to him. Um Last thing, I know we're going to hit college at the end before we go to Levitan. Week zero college football. I was blown away by the pace of these games with the new first down clock rule. What did you what did you make of that? And did you like it? Did you not like it? I I feel college football games taking four hours and 30 minutes just just got ridiculous. And there, there, there was some pace to the games last weekend. Yeah, the pace was nice. It takes away some plays. We haven't seen enough to know how it'll play into into totals. It, it was, I think, four and three, so pretty much a split. And seven games isn't a big enough sample anyway, so we'll see how it goes. But just viewing-wise, kind of like the pitch clock in baseball, it smooth th- smooths things out. So if it does that, I'm a fan of it. Okay. All righty. Uh, let's transition now to our guest, Adam Levitan, here on Unreasonable Lots. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Well, hello, old friend Adam Levitan of Establish the Run. He joins Unreasonable Odds. We are presented by DraftKings. Levy, how you been? Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you guys. Great to be back. How's it going? Doing fine. I mean, for now, this is my first rodeo, so we'll see how Julian feels after the first record. Um, How about this? I'll throw you a softball to start us off. With about a week-ish to go, uh, short of a week now, till the NFL season kicks off, what's at the top of the mind of Adam Levitan with less than a week to go? Yeah, I mean, I I think that the best ball stuff has actually gotten uh, softer over the last week or so, and so it's very time-consuming, but I've been doing my best to get as many drafts off as as I can um, in the best ball streets before that, and then just getting all my DFS stuff set up uh, for week one. I think that it's enough already with the dynasty and the, and the season long. It's enough already. So, so yeah, that's, that's the top of the mind. Okay. All right. We're going to dive into a bunch with you uh, in, in this discussion uh, and Julian specifically. We want to talk on uh, season long props with Levitan. Yeah, Levy. So you, I think this is like the third or fourth year probably that you've come on with us, you know, a week or two before the NFL season starts. Um, and you're always kind enough. You share, share your projections over at ETR with us and whatnot. And we talk some season long player props. I know a lot of the value is gone with these from the time they open, um, until now, but, uh, let's just go through, like, what are some of the first season long props that you played that you saw the most value on? And what are some of the ones that are, you know, still have any meat left on the bone in, in your mind? 
Yeah, well, uh, first of all, I, I would say that the season-long props market has changed dramatically. I mean, two years ago, you could blindly bet every under on the board. And unfortunately, the people, or fortunately for us, unfortunately for DraftKings, they were effectively setting season-long player props at a full 17-game mean number, which is just completely ridiculous. You could win 65, 70, 75%, maybe even more if you if you get, uh, select pretty hard. This year, they did a much, 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 much better job setting yep. the numbers way, way, way lower. And so right out of the gate, there weren't a ton of unders that we thought were really good. There were some when the limits were really low. We didn't start taking stuff until June 8th. The first bet we took was Ramondre Stevenson under 1100 and a half minus 110. Just any running back number at 1100 and a half. They're just so likely to get hurt and miss games in the season. Also, that Ramondre number, we didn't think baked in the likelihood they were going to sign someone. We thought it could have been anyone. Turned out to be Zeke, which isn't a huge threat, but could have been someone much, much better. So that was a good one. But right out of the gate, we also had to take some overs. I mean, if they're going to set lines like Dallas Goddard, 600 and a half receiving yards, I mean, we projected 813.7. So, I mean, you're talking like, you know, 30, 40% edge here. That's what we're looking for on an over mostly. If Dallas Goddard plays 17 games, he's going to have more than 600 receiving yards, like period. Um, And so, you know, obviously I hate taking overs because so much chaos happens during the season. There's so much risk of injury. And so it pains me to take overs, but there were definitely some like the Goddard one right out of the gate that, that we felt like we had to take and, and were good bets. And on top of that, it also keeps our good friends at DraftKings honest, you know, like if they're going to post things like Goddard 600, we're going to hit them and hopefully next year or next time they'll, they'll come out higher. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, it's just always a, a count, count cat and mouse game. I had a, I'm going to follow it up with one more glass because I had a feeling I wrote this down as question number two. And I had a feeling like you did that you were going to answer most of it in question one. And that was just the difference in how these numbers were set this year. It became obvious to, you know, anybody that's familiar with season long player prop betting, as soon as the markets opened anywhere, you could see like, okay, this year I cannot just close my eyes and go under, 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 under on the top 10 wide receivers and go seven and three. Um, things are going to be different. So is there anything else, I guess, in your in your strategy that that changed? Um, do you find yourself on on significantly more overs when it comes to this season? I mean, more than usual, but still not more. We've taken 22 season long bets so far. I believe like 18 of them are still unders. And so, you know, we're looking to pick off uh, mostly under still. You know, we took DK Metcalf on drafting. That was July 24th. DK Metcalf, 82 and a half catches. We project 75.5. Anytime like our projection is close to a line, we're projecting full 17 games. Obviously, if we're close or we're slightly under, you know, that's going to be an under bet. But of course, like our expectation on bets like that now might be 5, 10, 15% ROI. Whereas in the past, when they were setting numbers just egregiously too high, we could expect to return 30, 40, 50, 60%, like unheard of numbers. And as you start to get tighter, I will say like there is some cost of capital of of tying up money for for so long. I mean, we're talking about not getting paid until January, you know, and there's some cost of capital for that for sure. What Glash one so I'm Glash is hosting and now I'm gonna ask three questions. No, no, you're good. Go, go, go. <laughs> one Patriots one because you mentioned the Patriots backfield already. Then I'm gonna send it over to Glash. Um you mentioned Stevenson under eleven hundred. Uh I, I did scoop him up at under a thousand right when the Zeke news broke. Um what did you wind up having him him projected at? And then also Zeke wise, I don't think the yards necessarily makes a huge difference. But I am looking at that plus money on the over four and a half touchdowns for Zeke. Like, hmm, he's specifically signed to be that red zone goal line guy, uh, I would think. I believe 10 of his 12 touchdowns last year came from in the red zone. That's kind of his job at this point. How do you feel about uh, Zeke just getting to five rushing touchdowns? That seems pretty pedestrian. Well, this team is so bad. Uh, I, you know, and, and so can they get they- to the red zone? And they have and they have one of the hardest schedules I've ever seen. I mean, I'm not into like a big schedule guy and stuff. This Patriots team has one of the hardest schedules I've ever seen. How many touchdown opportunities are they going to have? I would say is a fair question. 
Um, how many times will they be leading a game in a position to actually give Zeke the football? Uh, I think is a fair question. And so, yeah, you know, and even at the goal line, I'm also not convinced that Zeke is definitely better than Ramondre. I don't think Zeke's really better than Ramondre at anything at this point. We have, in terms of yardage, we have Ramondre 926.6 rushing yards, Zeke 423.5 rushing yards, touchdowns we have, rushing touchdowns only, we have Ramondre 5.7, Zeke 3.92. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I get it. Uh, Zeke overs are not something that uh, I can I can do and look at myself in the mirror. So yes, no, no, no Zeke overs for me. On how they manage Ramondre Stevenson, knowing he'll be up for a contract soon, like that's classic Bill Belichick to bring in not his replacement going forward necessarily, but a guy who can negate any type of upside for him. Same can be said for just using a Patriots example. Let's go get Mike Kosicki. We know Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry's deal is going to be up soon. And for what it's worth, Mac Jones, his touchdown prop is down to 19 and a half. That's moved slightly down uh, over the last few weeks. You know, I'm curious, Levy, when you do your projections at establish the run, when it comes to the quarterback position and trying to decipher quarterbacks that have the mobile upside so Daniel Jones, Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields and, and Jackson and Fields have some uh, new coaching in the building as well. How did how do you go about trying to urge people to not get too cute with passing yards, but also keeping in mind that they have that mobile aspect to their game as well when it comes to the season long over unders? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, they post rushing lines for all these quarterbacks, also, especially the rushing ones. And so I think people understand that you can bet they're two totally different things, two totally different markets. So, yeah, I wouldn't think about it uh, too differently for the rushing receiving quarterbacks. I know you mentioned the Mac Jones thing. We actually did take Mac Jones on June 20th. We took over 16 and a half passing touchdowns on Mac Jones. We have Mac Jones for 23 uh, passing touchdowns. So, yeah, we've we've been a little optimistic on Mac Jones. I've actually taken like one of my favorite like emergency backdoor stack in best ball. Oh, one of my favorites. I have a bunch of them, which is embarrassing, but like, it's like round 19, Mac Jones, round 20, Hunter Henry and stuff like that. Um, you know, if you need a stack, it's an emergency. And I think Mac, they're going to be trailing so much that the volume is going to be there. Uh, I think for Mac in the passing game. So yeah, we did take over 16 and a half minus 120, uh, a Mac passing touchdowns. Okay. Plus money now at 19 and a half plus 110 at DraftKings. Yeah. 19 and a half is starting to get a little hairy, but yeah, yeah. Um, all right, Levy, let's go over uh, to the AFC West. Um, one of the one of the guys that I kind of liked the over on receiving was was Jerry Judy, which was initially 875 and a half. Um, then you have the Tim Patrick injury, KJ Hamler. It starts creeping up 50, 75 yards. So then, of course, Judy gets hurt and he's kind of up in the air now. Um, how much of a factor do you still think he could be this season? But more importantly, kind of looking early in the season, what do you think, whether it's a DFS angle, a specific week one or two player prop situation or a season long one in terms of guys now like Sutton and Mims that just kind of have to be the the guys in that Denver offense, especially if it's going to take a step forward at all. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. They also let go of Marquez Callaway, who um, obviously Sean Payton knew from New Orleans yep. and brought him over. Uh, you know, I've heard all kinds of crazy things about Jerry Judy's timeline. Like, you know, a normal hamstring pull, maybe a month, you know, whatever. I've heard people speculate. A couple months, it's been crazy. We've tried to middle it a little bit. We still do have Jerry Judy for 839 yards. We're only projecting him to miss two or three games. Now, part of the reason that we do it like that is because in fantasy, for people playing best ball or, uh, or season long, the stuff that you get late in the season is so much more valuable than early in the season. In other words, Jerry Judy missing three games, weeks one, two, three, is way different than Miss Jerry Judy missing three games week 15, 16, 17. And so that's part of the reason we try to be uh, conservative when we start projecting guys to miss games. So yeah, we still have Jerry Judy for 839 yards, still have Cortland Sutton for 811. We have Mims for 590, which is actually a pretty decent amount for a second round rookie mm -hmm. uh, for us. So yeah, you know, I, I have major concerns that 
the Broncos can't be fixed by simple scheme change. I mean, this was one of the worst offenses in NFL history last year. They could not score a touchdown to save their life. I have so much respect for Sean Payton. I think they'll be way better. Does not mean that they'll be good. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm taking Marvin Mims a lot in best ball. I think that's different than in DFS where I'd have concerns about the systemic Broncos just coming out and just laying an egg uh, offensively. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard on the Broncos stuff for sure. There's a lot going on. And then the Javante Williams stuff is a mess too. So yeah, there's, it's a lot, go, there's a lot going on with the Broncos. Jules, I don't think there's, I don't think those markets are up right now. As far as the, the Broncos, I'm not seeing Broncos guys um, available in the market right now because of the, because Judy's not on short-term well, IR. He's going to start the year on the roster. Yeah. It's the, the Judy injury kind of wiped everything away. Um, yeah. But they could be back once we get a little bit more clarity. Um, but, uh, you know, more specifically, I think, uh, you know, Adam just gave his concerns about the Broncos. The one thing that they do have going for them just to kind of gain some momentum is that you can't ask for much better of a start to your schedule. You're going to host the Raiders, who I'm very low on, and you're going to host the Commanders in week two, who might come in flying high, looking good after beating up the pathetic Cardinals at home in week one, but that's going to look a lot different uh, on a trip to Denver. So I think that if Judy misses those first two games, the Broncos are in a pretty good spot to start two and oh and look better than they maybe are. Um, And those would be the two spots where I'm interested in getting guys like Sutton and Mims, whether it's into a DFS lineup or playing kind of a modest player prop over before those numbers kind of spike up. Those are the two situations I'm looking at. I don't know if you agree. Yeah, I, those guys are cheap. I haven't fully digested pr- pricing for week one yet, but I'm sure Mims and Sutton are both very cheap and they're playing the Raiders and, and they're at home and Judy's going to be out. Like, yeah, they're going to be extremely, extremely popular, I think. And and like John Dotson's going to be extremely popular too. I haven't really looked, but uh, I would guess that like Sutton, Dotson lineups are going to be very, very popular. Assuming Terry McLaurin's out with that toe thing for the commanders. Right, yep. Um, you've got something else, I think, in the, in that division, Julian. Yeah, that's what I'm just pulling up. Oh, Raiders! I was just saying how much I dislike Raiders. Um, I did bet the Raiders to finish fourth in that division. I don't think the Broncos are going five and twelve again. And the Raiders easily could have been five and twelve if the Patriots literally didn't gift wrap a victory and throw it to them. Um, so <laughs> I, I was think there. those. You were there. That's right. I, I forgot. Mm-hmm. I was in the end zone that when Chandler Jones was running towards me, it was painful. <laughs> Quite laughable too. Um, yeah, fun fun game to be at as a Pats fan. I'm sure. Yeah, had the uh, under and the Patriots <laughs> all crumbled when the yeah, they called the touchdown to the back of the end zone, and then that crap happened. I had some Pats in that one. They will they will get a chance at redemption in Vegas uh, yeah. again this year. They are. The Patriots are one point underdogs last I looked on DraftKings in in that game. I don't know if that one, I, we were just talking about how hard the schedule is. I don't know if I quite get that one, but um, Raiders, I'm low on them. Jimmy Garoppolo has pretty much only gone over his passing total if he stays healthy for the entire season, which he has only done a couple of times. It's 3,300 and a half on DK Sportsbook. He's he's got he's back with Josh McDaniels, who obviously loves him. He's got a weapon like Devonte Adams. I can't. This is one of those guys that I can't trust to stay healthy, and I, I don't trust McDaniels necessarily in the head coaching role. Um, where where are you at on on Jimmy G and the Raiders, Levy? I think those are all fair points. I mean, I I think McDaniels is kind of a dunce. Also, uh, I think Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> is a, a sub average NFL quarterback who's been dragged up some really good situations in San Francisco but when you put stuff through the model Jimmy Garoppolo looks good because we're projecting the Raiders to be trailing a ton and their defense to be awful and we just have this outrageous respect for Devontae Adams I mean you know based on our stuff Devontae Adams is like one of the best wide receivers in NFL history and that flows through to quarterback so I'm not saying that I feel great about this but we do have Jimmy Garoppolo for 4,200 and 43 yards here, assuming he plays, assuming he plays 17 games. I think with quarterbacks, you know, it, quarterback injury rates are lower. If you wanted to say Jimmy Garoppolo's projected injury rate is higher than another quarterback, I, I can probably 
get on board with that. But yeah, that's one where like, yeah, the model likes Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't take him. Like I take Desmond Ritter in best ball over Jimmy Garoppolo some, especially if I don't have it. Definitely if I don't have any Raiders on my team, I take Sam Howell over Jimmy Garoppolo. I take Stafford over Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, but uh, I think there's like, you know, the model is the model and what we think is what we think too. And I think we combine that stuff is when you get the best outcomes. And so, yeah, for me, Jimmy Garoppolo would be a pass. Uh, you know, I wouldn't bet over certainly. And, and um, yeah, just based on our, our numbers, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take under either. So, so the, and first of all, all your points that you made are the reasons that I, I haven't bet it, that the defense stinks. They're going to be trailing and Devon, you know, he can throw it up 80 yards to Devonte Adams and you rip off, a chunk of that every few weeks and and that number starts to add up. But for like 4,200 in the model compared to posting 3,300, like that's a pretty big yes. chunk. So is that just where it comes into play? Like, you know, you're betting numbers. Yes. But then the human aspect of it is no, I, I'm not going to bring myself to bet a Jimmy G over. Uh, exactly. I mean, you know, like I, I think it, it's so hard, you know, I, I think people, there's too many people out there, very, very smart math people who are condescending towards sports people and think that they should just be blindly betting all their numbers. They don't have any respect for the rest of the market. It's just a fast way to lose a lot of money. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I think and what we try to do is just blend together the model stuff, the really hardcore math stuff, and then also what we know about football. So, yeah, honestly, I'm going to bring this up to the team after we're done here and we'll look at it and maybe, maybe we'll take it. And honestly, like we should be taking stuff or we probably should be moving Jimmy Garoppolo's rates and inputs some. So we'll probably do one or the other. So thank you guys. We'll, we'll either, we'll either bet it or we'll, or we'll lower something with Garoppolo, like his yards per attempt or something like that. All right. There well, you go. To the, ETR, the ETR members that are wind up listening to the unreasonable odds podcast in like three days that get the push for the Jimmy Garoppolo over. Here's where it came from. We don't we don't know a lot, though, about Jimmy Garoppolo as a trailing quarterback, though. Right. Yeah. Right. Is that concerning at all? Given his win percentage and playing on that yeah. game management, that game management style with San Francisco, what, injured or not, he plays. They're not trailing often. And some for of the sure. games he trailed in last year, Kansas City, he threw for three hundred yards, but his long his longest pass was thirty four yards. Yeah. Atlanta, they they trailed most of that game. His longest pass was twenty seven yards. Yeah, I don't think it's game manager as much as it's he needs yak, right? Like that that's the thing. Yeah. When you play for San Francisco, you get so much yak, and we'll see how much he can get from these guys in Las Vegas. It's gonna be way less than what he got from San Francisco. But to me, that's right. what he did so well in San Francisco. Just get it to these guys and let them go nuts, you know, just like get it to them in a little bit of space. And he's he's actually pretty good at that. So so yeah, we'll see. Okay. Um, I think Levy mentioned uh, you mentioned Matthew Stafford and, and Julian's yeah. got a thought on the right. As much as we were just talking before when we opened the show about the Cardinals and how their win totals down to three and a half now at DraftKings. And as Julian said, DraftKings has really uh, set the standard as far as moving that win total down. But Julian, you don't you don't want to let the, the Rams off the hook. No. Um, and I do want to get your thoughts, Adam, on on the Cardinals. I gave some before you were on at the top of the show um, after we talk about Stafford. But I, I bet Stafford under thirty eight fifty for passing yards. Um, I sat on it for a couple of days. And by the time I got around to doing my article on DK Nation, it was already down to thirty seven hundred. Um, so I, I still think it's OK there. I don't know what you can tell me what you got him projected for. And that's going to be another team that is trailing most likely. And he's got Cooper cup. It's almost similar to Jimmy G in ways. You're going to be a bad team with a stud receiver. I just have so many offensive line questions and so many elbow health concern questions about Stafford. Like he's 35 and he, to me is in a position where like, if the Rams are sitting there at like one and six, two and five, like, I don't see him like sucking it up and finishing the season and trying to play for something. He got his Super Bowl out there. Um, I think there's so many paths uh, or Cooper Cooper Cup could get hurt. Like, I, I just think there's so many paths for for Stafford cashing this under um, when he's healthy. If he plays in 16, 17 games, he gets 4000 yards every, every time. Oh, I yeah. just don't think this is going to be one of those years. 
Well, you know, we do our projections on 17 game scale and we have him for 4297. Now, I would agree with you that there is an incredible amount of risk with Matthew Stafford's elbow, Matthew Stafford's neck, systemic risk with the Rams, like you mentioned. So that's just an obvious one to me. Like, yeah, we have 4200 for him. But if you put a gun to my head, I would definitely bet on there. I mean, there's just it's just like you said, there's just so many ways that it can go bad for for Matthew Stafford. So, yeah, that would be one um, that I would bet under. And by the way. These are base projection numbers that I'm giving to you guys. In our rankings, we layer in other things such as ceiling upside case. And like we have like no upside case on Matthew Stafford. And that flows through the rankings where Matthew Stafford isn't ranked very high. Whereas someone who has a chance like Sam Howell, we have a pretty decent upside case on Sam Howell, even though we have him for worse in base. So in the rankings, it comes out that Sam Howell is higher than Matthew Stafford, if that makes sense. So yeah, like it's easy to discuss things just on, on one number here, but obviously it's really hard to boil everything down to one number. I I would, I agree with you. I I would feel decent about the Matthew Stafford under, even though we do have 4297 there. Um, all right. Glash, I, I, you, Glash basically asked me the question that he asked you off the top of the podcast is give me an overall thought on the NFL season. Um, and I told him that I think that the Arizona Cardinals have the potential to be a historically bad team. Um, the, the moves that they've made in the last whatever it is, week to 10 days, told me everything I needed to know. I had no under four and a half a while ago. Now I'm loaded up on under four and a half because in one day they take three starter level players and just say, we will take anything we can get in return for them. And then a few days later, Go to whether it's Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon at quarterback. If it's Dobbs, the dude's going to be learning everybody's name like as he's throwing them the ball uh, in week one. It just seems like it could not be more clear that this team is trying to pull like an NBA style tank to get Caleb Williams at the top of the draft. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you have anything else that you want to add on the Cardinals, Glash, but I'm like under four and a half. The uh, commanders are now like my favorite. If you if you're doing a tease week one teaser piece uh, to just win that game at home, it sets up for Washington is a great spot because they they have this breath of fresh air now with ownership, new quarterback. You're at home going against like an absolute doormat. I think that's a great spot for them to to win a game before they go off to Denver and things get much more difficult. Um, But yeah, those are my Cardinals thoughts. Yeah, I mean, just. Very little talent on the team overall. I actually think it's the right move to go away from Colt McCoy. The problem is just the timing. I mean, Colt McCoy was their starter for OTAs. He took the most first-team reps or majority of the first-team reps throughout all of preseason. He took the most first-team reps in actual preseason games. And then to pull the plug on it 10 days before the season, it's just weird. I I, I have no problem with them pulling the plug on Colt McCoy. Like, I would have gone with Clayton Toon or Josh Dobbs or whatever. It's just It's just the timing of it. Uh, is really, really strange. So listen, man, winning four games in a 17-game season, I mean, it should not be hard. You know, it, it, re- it, really, it really should not be. It, it really should not be. But uh, I think that four is probably the number that I would say right now um, is about the right number for, for the Cardinals. How do you feel about their, their skill guys? Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore? Yeah. Can they, can they pick up a Dobbs at all in, the, the, in, yeah. in several trailing game scripts? As Definitely. I mean, I, I take Marquise Brown. We have Marquise Brown ahead of ADP, and nobody wants to take a single Cardinal, and, and I totally get that. You can get right. Marquise Brown in like the 80s or 90s. Now, dude is going to get 25 to 30% of the targets, and I, I understand that they're coming from Josh Dobbs or Clayton Toon, but I think Marquise Brown is fine, if not. Uh, definitely not exciting. My favorite, though, at cost in best ball is Trey McBride. Like, people are worried about Zach Ertz. I mean, Zach Ertz is 33 coming off an ACL for a tanking team. There's absolutely no reason for the Cardinals to play him a lot. There's a lot of reason for them to develop Trey McBride, who's probably worse than Zach Ertz right now, which is a good thing for uh, the Cardinals who want to be losing games. So, yeah, I take Trey McBride 20th round uh, a decent amount. Okay. I've got uh, – We I know we talked about Stevenson and – Zeke Elliott, that, that running back room. So Jonathan Taylor is going to start the year on uh, PUP mm-hmm. and he's going to miss the first four games. 
these two kind of connect, I guess, because now the Dolphins are scrambling. They were a team that was connected. They were the favorite to land Taylor. That didn't happen. But what do you make of the running? And I, I love Levy. It's bringing me back in time when you used to work with us, just how you'd post running back news and you're all you're on top of the beat writers and what they're covering. Uh, what are your takeaways from what's happening with the Colts? Deion Jackson is likely to be their starter week one. Zach Moss is banged up and then pivot off of that to the Dolphins who didn't end up getting him. They cut Miles Gaskin. They uh, there's questions now about Jeff Wilson and his health. Where are you at on those two teams and their backfields? Yeah, I just lost the H in my background for the hundredth time in the last week. I'm a massive tilt. Um, so I actually think it's that the Colts have like bungled this from a PR perspective, from a media perspective, they look like absolute clowns in reality. I think it's right. They they shouldn't pay Jonathan Taylor. It's just a franchise crippling move to pay Jonathan Taylor some insane amount of money. They also shouldn't trade him for peanuts, you know? So they bungled it in PR. They look like total clowns. You know, I'm Jim Irsay is a total clown, but I actually think that they're probably playing it right. You know, JT is pissed off, but it just is what it is. The Colts giving JT some like Zeke-esque contract would be damaging even though they have Anthony Richardson on a rookie contract for the next four years, you know, it's just be so, so, so damaging. So I think they're, they're actually playing it right. I would just, if I was the Colts, I would hold strong until somebody made me an offer that uh, I thought was reasonable. Um, the Dolphins thing is weird, man. Like if they knew that Jeff Wilson was going on IR, you know, why let Miles Gaskin go, you know, why right. not offer a little bit more for JT? If you think you're in a window to win right now, um, so, yeah, the Dolphins thing is weird. I don't think that they can get by with Mostert, Savan Ahmed, and uh, Devon A-Chain for very long. I think Mostert's 31 years old, really likely. Ton of injury history on Raheem Mostert, ton, really likely to get hurt. A-Chain wasn't showing a ton uh, in camp. Doesn't mean that he can't. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins are going to have to make a move. We'll see if they do it uh, before week one. The, the latest, too, is Chris Ballard, the Colts GM, actually said he thinks there's a chance they can repair the relationship. Yeah. Which, which, yeah, by paying means. him, of course. you can. All, right. Money is all that matters. I mean, you can, of course, you can repair anything with money. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> um, Levy, last I looked, I did see Mostert at 500.5 rushing yards. I'm seeing if that's still, if any Miami stuff is still up there. Um, let's see, but is there, do you think that there's anything, uh, to be done, uh, with that Miami backfield? Because uh, the way that I see it, and it's not, uh, up right now on, on DraftKings Sportsbook, um, the way that I see it is that Mostert has to be the guy early and we've seen Mostert, like when he's healthy, he goes well over this. He played 16 games for Miami last year. He had almost 900 rushing yards. Uh, the season that he played a full season for San Francisco, he had almost 800 rushing yards. There was a game, there was a season in there, one of his last with San Francisco, where he only played half the season. He played eight games, but he had 521 rushing yards. He can get there, um, but I feel like he's a guy you're going to need to get there by week eight or nine before he either gets hurt or goes into a, a lesser role than a guy like A-Chain, who I really liked at, at A&M if you watch any college football. Um, maybe gets a little bit more involved or they make that deal for the running back they feel they need to, to carry them the rest of the season. So yeah, I don't know if I can really, play an over on him because somebody's got to get into the mix at some point. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, if you're going to take an over, you better be damn sure that that they're not adding anyone, right? And right now we have Mostert for 696 rush yards, A-Chain for 509 rush yards. But there's so much that can happen. I mean, Kareem Hunt's out there. Laney Fournette is out there. We know the Dolphins, even before all this Jeff Wilson stuff, the Dolphins asked about, Dalvin Cook reportedly made an offer that was half of what the Jets offered. We know that the Dolphins have been involved in Jonathan Taylor. So, yeah, I, I don't think that there's much to do here unless DraftKings puts up some bloated number on Mostert, in which case I would definitely be taking under just for injury um, and the chance to add someone. Like if they put up Mostert 650 rush yards or 700 rush yards, like to me, that's that's an under bet um, on Mostert there. Um, is that you mentioned you had a chain over 500. He's a guy that I do kind of like, um, is he a guy? I don't think, I mean, I don't think we're going to see a season long on him anywhere, but is he a guy like week to week when he maybe steps into one of those spot 
starts that they could be mixing in that you would like from like a DFS or or single week player props. Yeah, I mean, we have A-Chain ranked pretty high in season long just because we think his role is going to grow and we think his skill set is really good for what Mike McDaniel wants to do. And so, yeah, we have A-Chain still as the best season long pick of the bunch. Obviously, we don't think A-Chain is going to be a big contributor weeks one, two, three, et cetera, stuff like that. And I know that drives people crazy, but the most important times to have the best players in fantasy is at the end. And yeah, I, I am very optimistic on Devon A-Chain by the end of the year being a pretty big factor. In DFS, it's going to be, I, I probably need to see it first on A-Chain, definitely for cash, definitely for, for small field. I probably need to see it on A-Chain uh, first, just because I don't know exactly how they're going to use him. But uh, yeah, I think for large field stuff, like right out of the gate, I mean, if I was playing the Millie Maker in week one, I would for sure have an A-chain team just because nobody thinks he's going to be ready out of the gate. But if he is, I mean, it could be really nice. They have to have some semblance of a running game too, right? Because of Tua's health. I know they have Hill and Waddle. They want but- to. They want to. I mean, their offensive line, I think we have their offensive line as the second worst in the entire league behind only the Titans. I mean, they have some wow. some major, major, major concerns. So yeah, we'll see. I mean, I agree with you. Keeping Tua upright, obviously the priority, but guy plays quarterback in the NFL like he's he's going to get hit you know it's just it's going to happen and you can't really avoid it um all right Levy before we get you out of here you mentioned off the top um or maybe it was when we were talking before the show I don't even remember but maybe it was off the top uh that you got some team future stuff uh that you do like we've been going all player props uh to this point um I've kind of showed my hand on some of the teams that I do and do not like, uh, but the stage is is yours. What are some of the teams uh, that you're higher on, lower on? How are you backing them or fading them? Yeah, I've taken so much, man. I mean, I have a sheet of, of so many futures here. We'll stick, um, we'll stick to the strengths. Yeah, there's some stuff that's already dead. Like I have a bunch on Kendrick Miller, offensive rookie of the year at 100 to 1 and 70 to 1. Um so the team that I have the most on is Falcons. I have Bijan Robinson offensive rookie of the year at five to one. I know that's gone now. I have Falcons win the NFC South at plus 380. I have Arthur Smith to be the coach of the year. I have a ton of that around 20, 22 to one on Arthur Smith coach of the year. I have Falcons to be the last undefeated team at 39 to one and 42 to one. Wow. <laughs> uh, so, Jeez. so uh, you know, my take on the Falcons is that this offensive line, they've put so much effort into this offensive line. They have put so much effort into the skill position players, and I know they don't use them right always, but Bijan <laughs> Pitts London is incredibly strong. They have the second easiest schedule in the entire NFL, and it's not even close. Saints are the only one with an easier schedule. And I just think that Arthur Smith, I know we hate him in fantasy, I think he knows what he's doing in terms of actual NFL football coaching. So I've said all this without mentioning Desmond Ritter. It's like the one big question, which I understand. And that's why people don't want to be in on the Falcons. They said the same thing last year about Jared Goff. I mean, I had like a small village on the Lions last year in in various futures. A lot of it didn't come in because I had a lot on Lions to make the playoffs and Dan Campbell coach of the year. But all the overs on their win totals. And obviously, you know, they started off really bad one in five. And then got it going. I, I see a lot of parallels between the Falcons and the Lions this year. Uh, Lions last year, Falcons this year. And so, um, yeah, Falcons is probably the team I have, I have the most on. How do you feel about, speaking of the Falcons, how do you feel about um, Drake London and his uh, receiving uh, prop yeah. total? I think Drake London is an awesome, awesome. 825 and a half is where NFL. it's at right now. Yeah, I'll check what we have. Uh you know, I think Drake London has shown an ability to earn 30% of the targets in a game, which very, yeah. very few NFL receivers can do on a consistent basis. Dude is just an absolute stone cold baller. Obviously, this team did not throw very much last year. We're projecting them to throw a little bit more, just natural regression, uh, because they were so outrageously run heavy last year. We're not expecting them to throw a lot, though, but just a little bit more. We have Drake London for 872 uh, receiving yards here there's just so little competition you know i mean we have mac hollins for a decent amount here we have mac hollins for 391 receiving yards but man beyond that it's like god and especially if you think that they're not going to feature pits i mean 
Drake London yeah. could be seeing, even if they only throw it 25 times in a game, Drake London could be the guy getting seven, eight, nine targets on those 25 attempts. And so, yeah, I, I like Drake London. I prefer Christian Watson over Drake London uh, in fantasy, but uh, I do take Drake London also. What about, is there another team that's on your mind besides the Falcons as far as who's the second most, uh, the, the team that you have second most invested in? Yeah, probably Seahawks. I have Seahawks plus 260 to win the NFC West. I have uh, Kenneth Walker, offensive player of the year, which I don't really like that much anymore, but I have took this on uh, July 22nd. I got 130 to one on Kenneth Walker, offensive player of the year. I have Seahawks to be the top seed in the NFC, 15 to one. Seahawks over nine and a half wins, plus 125. I have Jackson Smith and Jigbert, offensive rookie of the year, which I'm sure you get a better price on now since the injury, but I took it before the injury, and that was uh, 15 to one. Um, I think the Seahawks offense is going to be very, very good. We think their offensive line is way better than the market does. Geno Smith led the entire NFL in completion percentage over expected last year, over 17 games. I mean, you don't do that. And have it be a fluke. So, yeah, I, I think the 49ers clearly have the most talent in that division. But weird things can happen. And and I think Seahawks are set up pretty well. We know the Rams and the Cardinals are are total dust. And then does the, before, oh, before you go, Glash, uh, does the weakness of the NFC overall uh, do anything for you, Levy? Because I'm looking at these teams like. I don't know how much I like the Seahawks, but then you you look at the rest of the NFC and it's like, well, I, you know, I guess that minus 120 to make the playoffs, like I, I guess that is good. And you see that right. big, the big juice that you have to lay on a team like the Lions to to reach the hype and make the playoffs. I just don't know who else is in their, in their way. Everybody thinks it's going to be just a 49ers-Eagles well, NFC championship game again. And there's all these other teams that just kind of fit in the mix. I mean, that's the whole point, right? Like last year, I had a ton of Eagles stuff. I had Jalen Hurts MVP at 50 to one, which my God, I swear that should have hit if he didn't hurt his shoulder and miss those games late in the year. But the thesis behind all the Eagles stuff last year, you know, Nick Sirianni coach of the year, all kinds of stuff, uh, Eagles to win their division, uh, Eagles to go to the Super Bowl, et cetera, Eagles to win the Super Bowl was the NFC is a joke. It's a joke. I mean, it's so much easy to come from way out where no one's giving you a chance. Like if the Bucks made the playoffs this year, it wouldn't even shock me. I think they suck. But this this conference is so bad. Like it wouldn't even shock me if the Tampa Bay Bucks made the playoffs this year. And so, yeah, on all my long shots, uh, almost all my long shots are NFC are NFC related. Almost all of them. Yeah. You've hinted at some teams that you're down on like individuals. Is there a team, though, that stands out that you're most down on? Whatever conference. I, I think the market has gotten out of control in the Lions. And I was like the biggest Lions fan last year. You know, we had the whole our Lions bit. I uh, couldn't stop talking about the Lions, love the Lions. And now their fans are pissed at me because, uh, yeah, I think they're going to regress. Like, I think they're going to be they're going to be in a fight to make the playoffs, in my opinion. I think Packers uh, to win that division is an interesting bet at, at pretty long odds. Um, plus so, 400 right now. Yeah, plus 400. I mean. Yeah, I just don't think the Lions are that good. Obviously, offensive line is good, but their weaponry is not great. They're going to rely a ton on two rookies and Jameer Gibbs and Sam Laporta. And the defense still is, is really bad. So, yeah, I think I don't consider the Lions to be like that much better than the Vikings or, or the Packers. Lions to miss the playoffs, plus 140. Plus money. When do you yeah. get plus money on the Lions to miss yeah, the, so miss I, the playoffs? I like, I like that. And to Julian's I'm, point, it's all the way up to minus one sixty five to make the playoffs. Yeah, I'm I, I'm with you on there. I see the Lions regression. Um, I meant to, before we go, we're going to wrap. I promise. Uh, I meant to ask you one more player prop thing though, because we talked a lot of Commanders and Sam Howell. Um, his touchdowns are fourteen and a half. That's like as low as you can go. Um, if this dude is is anything close to the hype that he was that freshman year at UNC when he could have been the number one overall pick and then came back and, and regressed. Uh, if he stays healthy, we're talking less than a touchdown per game. We have uh, Sam Howell right now for 22.6. Okay. Passing That's touchdowns. Um, I think the reason this line is, is low um, for most of the offseason until maybe three weeks ago, we had some Jacoby Brissett baked in. I mean, we had Jacoby Brissett for like two, three, four games. And when you start to project guys to lose two, three, four games to the backup, 
it's not going to look good. You know, it's going to look like an under, you know? And so we've been steadily moving up Howell's gameplay. Now we have, we have Howell now for uh, 17 and a half games and Brissett for half a game now. Um, so yeah, I, I think, you know, I would consider that line stale, to be honest. I'm going to look at that one also uh, when we get, when we get off here. Glad I could help. <laughs> All right, Levy, we'll let you go. Uh, Adam Levitan, co-founder of Establish the Run, establishtherun.com. Great stuff. We appreciate your insight and uh, best of luck. Maybe we'll do it again uh, as the season gets underway. For sure. Appreciate you guys. Good to see you. Good stuff from Levy, as always. Enjoy his uh, his thoughts before the season begins. A lot to unpack. Um, but now, as we, we close the program, Julian, let's go into uh, best bets. Why don't you go first? We're going to each go around the horn here. We're going to get producer Samir to also uh, weigh in with some picks as well. So go ahead, Jules. All right. Well, I will start with the one that ties back to the NFL podcast and the segment that we just had with Levitan. I'll give it out at the the fresh number of thirty seven hundred point five. And that would be the under on Matthew Stafford's passing yards. Um, obviously, Adam said that is the side that he would he would take if he had to. But I'm a little I have a little bit more conviction, I guess, than he does that. Um, I don't trust Stafford's health. Uh, I don't trust Cooper Cup's health necessarily outside of that massive 2000 yard season, which mm-hmm. he's going to need Cooper Cup if he wants to if he wants to get over 3700. I don't trust the Rams offensive line. I think they have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL, which should directly to relate to Stafford taking more hits at his age with a banged up elbow with a banged up neck. I just don't see the games uh, uh, being there for Stafford. And then I'm going to transition us to college football because I think we're going college football the rest of the way out. The game of the weekend, one of the games of the year, I bet it in like May, and I can't wait for this game to get here. Sunday night football, LSU and FSU in Orlando, a rematch of Sunday night football from last Labor Day weekend. Excellent game. I had LSU in that one. They came out flat at the start of the Brian uh, Kelly era. They found it late, and then right when they were gonna, right when we were gonna go to overtime with all the momentum for LSU, missed extra point. FSU wins in New Orleans by one. Now it's in Orlando, so FSU's neck of the woods. But um, LSU fans are gonna travel. I think it'll be a relatively neutral field. Definitely not the vibe that you would get for an FSU home game, at least. Uh, so revenge on LSU's mind. I think they're two similar teams. They're experienced teams, projected to be very good, bringing back a lot of talent. Um, but I, I think LSU is just a, a little bit better. Um, so I'm going to take the better team uh, in, in this situation. I know Smith is out, the defensive tackle, who's suspended one game. He tore he tore his ACL in the game against FSU last year. Um, so they'll have to operate without him. But the linebackers, Harold Perkins and, and that crew, I think will get in there and get pressure on Jordan Travis. I think LSU is just a little bit better a version of, of FSU. Another year under Brian Kelly. This is usually about the time he kind of gets his fingerprints all over the program, too. It's a kind of a set tone game, and they've got some smoke around them to possibly make the playoff if all goes well, um, which I know a lot of teams feel that way going into the year. I realize that, but uh, it's a pretty big spot, a revenge spot, uh, to your point, based on how it ended last year. Um, I'll just I'll stay on college and then go to NFL don't love laying this many points, but uh, I'm going to do so with Penn State. Uh, they are home, noon kickoff on Saturday uh, against West Virginia. Uh, I thought this was a night game, no? No, it's a noon t- uh, noon kickoff on Fox. Um, look, Penn State. Um, you, you break down the game, and then I'm probably going to tell you that you're wrong about the time of the game. Uh, so, sh- crap, sorry. 7.30. You're right. 7.30. Okay. Yeah. Big, right. big noon kickoff is... Uh, Nebraska? Prime times Colorado team. Colorado and TCU. Oh, Colorado TCU. Okay, yep. that's right. Okay. And then the night game um, is this one, but I'll have that on the second screen because I'll be watching UNC in South Carolina. Okay, which we're going to get to. Uh, good tease. So Penn State has the best. So I, I thought about under 50 and a half. It's down to 50 now with DraftKings. I'm just going to lay the points here with Penn State. Their formidable running game, 
Uh, I, I think they've got they've got the best running game in the Big Ten. Helps, and we talked about this off the top, that the new clock rules I think will help them basically play keep away uh, with West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia, Alar, the quarterback, not a great, not, not a lot to work with as far as how often he throws the ball, but he protects the ball. Uh, no takeaways in 71 pass attempts last year. So I, this is all... This all goes without saying, but it, it, it's leading to this. I, I expect Penn State to play with a lead most of this game. Most of their secondary is back. They return a ton of their pass breakups from a season ago. Uh, and James Franklin is outstanding against the number. 86-61-5 in his career against the number. Uh, I think West Virginia is going to be a little better. Uh, they return some of their defense as well. I don't think it matters all that much that their secondary is back. I expect them to have to throw the ball. They had a uh, pretty crazy quarterback competition this fall. So it's, it's a new quarterback offensive coordinator just got promoted um, from within granted, but uh, a lot of newness going on with West Virginia, as you said, so it actually maybe helps me more Seven thirty, uh, a lubed up Nittany lions home atmosphere. Uh, I will take Penn state in the college game that I wanted to touch on for week one and NFL. It's a long shot. I'm not going a full unit on this. I, mean, I wish I mentioned or I asked Levy about this team. We really didn't touch on them, but the Jacksonville Jaguars are getting a lot of hype to really cruise and win the AFC South instead of going that direction to win the division. That's not so much of a hot take, but Trevor Lawrence to lead the NFL in passing yards is plus 1600 uh, at DraftKings. I, I know what you're thinking. Well, wait a minute. You're really going to, put him up against some of the other great passers, especially in the AFC. If you look at the Jaguars schedule and I'm not playing win loss game here, I'm playing environment game spot uh, game script. They play a first place schedule. They won the division last year. So they're going to be in situations. I think where it's a shootout back and forth or they're trailing. They play Kansas city this season. They play Buffalo this year. Uh, the Buffalo game is in London, nine uh, 30 start. They have to play San Francisco. They have to play Baltimore. They're playing some of the, even New Orleans. Now, I mentioned New Orleans because a lot of the spots this year for the Jaguars, granted they play in Florida, they don't play any cold weather games uh, down the stretch. They're, a lot of their games this year are in domes or in warm weather. Like they're at Cleveland in December. That might be the one spot, but they're in Houston in November. They're at New Orleans in October. Uh, they're at Pittsburgh, which is October. It's not quite uh, frigid. Um, and I'm also, I should have probably led with this. I'm a big believer. This is, this is really year two for Trevor and Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence behind Patrick Mahomes was the second best quarterback after Thanksgiving last year. The numbers don't lie. Uh, I'm a big bat. And I know there's questions about their offensive line. I have them too. Ridley, Kirk, um, Evan Ingram at tight end. I think he's got the weapons and the game scripts are going to play out for, for Trevor Lawrence to lead the NFL in passing yards. Samir, you've got a couple as well before we let you go. So we're going to hear from Samir for the first time today. Yeah, kind of uh, bouncing off of your Trevor Lawrence takes there, Glash. Uh, I am kind of tailing you with uh, Christian Kirk touchdown over at five and a half. I like this for a couple of reasons. One, he's done it two of the last three seasons. Um, and I think he'll get a lot less pressure with Calvin Ridley playing opposite to him now. Kind of opens up passing lane for him. Um, like you said, a lot of high expectations for Trevor Lawrence. So I think he can meet the majority of them. I think they're in a prime spot. The team looks good. I can't remember the Jacksonville Jaguars coming into a season with anything any type of expectation since you know the Blake Bortles days so right we'll be excited there and there might be some Emerson Lazio bias rubbing off on me as well with this take but overall I've, I've always your really liked sorry yeah um, I that's but, your opinion <laughs> but I, I've always liked Christian Kirk uh undervalued wide receiver 1b type receiver 2a guy so uh five and a half seems like a very reachable number for him and then to close it out, we'll move to college football, and I will, I'm going to take the South Carolina Gamecocks to cover their two-and-a-half-point spread against North Carolina. Um, this one, basically, South Carolina finished the season. I'm with you, Samir. Let's go, Cox. I know. Well, honestly, Julian, it's been us talking about it the past couple of weeks that have really sold this one for me. Uh, finished the season strong, wins against two uh, top-ten opponents to close the year. Meanwhile, 
North Carolina trended the other way, uh, four straight losses to end the year. I think Drake May is great, but I think the ACC overall is a little overrated, which hurts me to say as a Pitt Panther fan and alum. Mm. But I just think uh, I think South Carolina kind of has to has some things to prove this year, and they're going to come out with a lot more to play for than North Carolina. Jules, I think the, the public is very much on the UNC side because of the Drake May hype. Yeah, and some sharper bets as well. This game, if you've monitored it since lines opened, has gone anywhere from a pick to South Carolina plus three. Wow. Um, so hopefully you have the the field goal. But this is a – both – neither defense is really good, but I'll always kind of side with a more tested SEC defense than – ACC, I, I think ultimately South Carolina will do more damage to UNC um, than the other way around. But again, every time I give my analysis on this game, I'm thinking maybe I should just take the over if this is how I think it's going to mm-hmm. going to play out. But I do think South Carolina outscores UNC, um, which is one of my plays in my my best bets article over College Football Week One best bets article over at DraftKings Nation. Excellent, and that total keeps rising. Um, it's I know 64 and a half for UNC yeah, I, South Carolina. I should have just bet the over over the summer and now it's too late and I'm stubborn and I'm staying away from it. Okay. All right, Julian, I hope I didn't screw this up too much. Uh, we got through our first one. Uh, hopefully the first of many. The podcast isn't ruined yet. Yet. Uh, Thanks to Adam Levitan again of Establish the Run joining us today on Unreasonable Odds for Julian Edlow, our producer, Samir. Brendan Glasheen, thanks for tuning in to Unreasonable Odds presented by DraftKings. We will join you again next week. See ya. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 